Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, to kick off the show, I am delighted to say that I am joined in studio by Elaine Burke to go through some news and a natter. Let's talk about some of the stories that are making the headlines today. Elaine, the first story you've brought me is a new 65 million challenge fund to be 65 million euro challenge fund to be managed by Science Foundation Ireland. Explain what's this all about. So this is big news in the science community today and essentially Science Foundation Ireland is the agency in Ireland that would dole out funding to researchers Mm -hmm. and a challenge fund means that they've identified challenges that they want research to be addressing and if you've got a project that might be addressing some of these, uh, these crisis points they might be able to give you up to uh, 2 million euro in funding from this fund for that. What and the, the challenges, challenges yeah, go on. the challenges they've identified, there's eight challenges and a significant, significant focus on climate challenges and trying to get us to our 2050 targets in terms of climate action. Um, so five of the challenges are centred on climate really and then another three are centred on digital transformation and that what that means is kind of trying to digitise services um, and products and things like that to try and improve things through technology um, and hopefully improve things and not disimprove things because but those, not all this digital transformation means good. But the tech one, the digital transformation, it's not to do with climate, just to do with anything that will yeah, help transform it's, a current it's, it's more on that digital transformation right, space. Okay. But the climate technology, you'd, you'd like if if you have climate tech that's you know about carbon capture or some other kind of technology that could be good for climate action, that could also be part of this funding round. And then what it does is it just makes uh, so that researchers have focus points that they can apply for uh, funding under these kind of projects instead of um, maybe just kind of researching something that won't maybe benefit these things that we are kind of in a crisis situation when it comes to climate action that really need we need a lot of research to, to help this it's not just something that's going to impact Ireland but these projects could have a global impact and it's interesting because it stems from a Creating Our Future campaign that Science Foundation Ireland ran recently where they asked the Irish people what they want science to focus on. Mm -hmm. And unsurprisingly, climate came out of that as a key theme. Health was another one, which is also not surprising in the context of the last two years that we've had. Um, And I think the climate part is also not surprising. So I'd like to, it's it's a good sign that Science Foundation Ireland has actually listened to the Irish public on what what way they want to direct funding as well. So is it a case that now researchers will be like, ooh, there's money in the pot, let's shift our focus? Or is it that like, oh, actually, we're already working on this and now we can supplement our research money by applying for what we're already doing? Like, do they have to be new ideas? They, they can be either. Okay. And the great thing is that is that this programme isn't just going to be funding. It's not just going to be money. There's also going to be resources made available through Science Foundation Ireland to support these projects, be that by mentoring or kind of teaching them a bit about things like design thinking or different concepts that might help improve their research projects. So whether they've got a, a new project or a, an idea that they've been sitting on or a project that can pivot under this funding, all of those avenues are open to them under these applications. And it's not to say that frontier research or research that is just exploring things for the sake of exploring things is problematic in any way. Like that's still important as well. No, but they've but because identified the climate like, thing is such really a crisis. Help. It's great to see that that funding is being directed there. And when we say they, like they, they'll change their research, they'll do this. Who who are these researchers? Or could someone listening in who's like, I have a great idea for an app that would help the HSE cut down on waiting lists. Like, can anyone apply for this funding? Well, or there's actually, there's a great environment here in Ireland where you do see a lot of cross pollination um, between kind of commerce and industry and research. And that's actually 
because of this, the ecosystem that Science Foundation Ireland has helped support that involves a lot of research centres. So research centres can be based in universities, but they tend to have really great connections with industry. So th- there's plenty based here in Dublin. There's um, Connect Research Centre looks into things like telecommunications technology. There's an Amber Research Centre that looks at materials and things like that. There's the Adapt Research Centre, which looks at um, things like data and analysis and, and um, kind of looking at digital online content and how mm-hmm. we can work through that. And those centres, I think, are going to be key to applica- applying for this funding because they have those kind of connections. They probably have a lot of projects that they can put forward for this kind of funding already. And so there's, are they all open now or two of them are open? It says two of the challenges are open until the 31st of October. Yes, and, then and they- the rest will gradually open up and we'll, we'll, we'll get news on that, I'd say, on Silicon Republic soon enough. And, and it, the, the funding, I believe, is going to run up until 2026, those funding rounds will run. So as your pro- project progresses, you might then get next level funding as well. To progress the project. That's And how long are we talking when, because my only, I don't, work in science but let's say like sometimes you have to apply to the Arts Council for funding if Mm. you're making a play or whatever and progress can be kind of glacial you know where you're like I'm waiting to hear back or there's huge competition are they anticipating that there'll be an awful lot of competition for this funding? Yeah and I I, but they do expect to try and move quickly enough on this I think the first uh, wins might well be announced before the end of this year I think that's what they're hoping for so then maybe early next year if things get pushed on a bit and like I said they'll be gradually rolling out more and more funding over the coming years up to 2026 and if you get up to 2026 you do only have uh, a few years to 2050 when it comes to science and stuff like that so it is really important that this does move quickly. And my last question on this is are they looking for like on the climate stuff is it we want scientific ways of taking carbon out of the environment or is it also like here is a way we have thought of to get the message about climate change to the general public which will in turn get people on board like does it have to be like super sciencey and techy, or could it be more basic in terms of engaging the public with the message yeah there's other themes kind of mentioned around sustainability and also kind of addressing issues and stuff like that that also impact society around climate action so that those things could absolutely be a possibility what I think would be best what I would like to see out of this is for them to go for the hard science projects because I think there is a lot of great work being done in terms of awareness for climate action in the public but I think something that's going wrong there is that it's becoming this kind of issue that's become individual responsibility is the only thing people are preaching mm-hmm. and not the idea that corporations need to change, economic structures need to change. And these are some of the research points that could be explored under this funding. We have a text in on this from Idel in Dublin who has texted 53106, which you can do too. What is the point? The scientists will come back with their findings and then we'll debate which sector deserves the hit. Look what happened with the farmers recently. It's all pointless. We'd sooner see the planet burn than do anything proper about it at all. Not the most hopeful message, but there is a kernel of truth in there, which is like we do talk about this an awful lot. Talk, talk, talk. And and action is not something really that tends to follow because... And it can be hard to be hopeful in the face of all that. Like, I mean, there's plenty of scientists who feel exactly how that person feels as well. And I can understand where they're coming from. I find it hard sometimes myself to be Mm -hmm. hopeful in this scenario. But if if you've got 65 65 million euro worth of funding and they, they do it well some good outcomes can come from this. What it can do is give um, the government the basis to say, look, this is backed up by the science. And I know we've already had that with the emissions results. But this is the thing, but the politicians then are like, know that their own constituency aren't going to vote them in again if they bring in these, you know, these cuts and then they're like, oh, well, I'll lose my seat so we won't do it. And that's where it really frustrates me. It's very frustrating. But also what you might see happen, and again, I'm just trying to find a hopeful uh, thread to to hit upon here. But what you might see happen is there are research centres like Chagask and and things like that that are looking at agriculture and agritech and how they might make improvements there in terms of climate and sustainability. If they come up with something 
that's a good idea that they can actually get farmers on board with, well, then you've changed the game entirely. Let's move on to something more positive, the source of all hope and positivity, Amazon. They have announced that they are getting ready to rumba because they bought that that little rumba hoover yeah. uh, for a crazy amount of money. I don't know, but people are worried now that they're going to like take over their whole house. Yeah, it, it does sound like mad money. It's 1.7 billion is what they've bought the company iRobot for, which owns the Roomba robot. That's their most famous product. Um, but sure, they just spent 3.9 billion there in a health tech provider a few weeks ago as well. well Jeff so Bezos, it's, it's just it's like, add, add, put another zero on the end. Like, doesn't <laughs> just it? a billion here and there, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is sparking these fears. The acquisition was announced on Friday and over the weekend, I think people got to ruminating on what does this mean now for a company like Amazon to now have detailed maps of your home, how you play your furniture, how good you are at tidying up, what kind of things are being tidied up in your home. And it just uh, means that Amazon has data from like ring doorbells, it has data from Alexa personal assistants, it has data from these room mapping robots and all of that is very, very good and beneficial to a company that wants to commercialise everything and also prompt you to buy products all of the time. But what is, I don't understand the problem really, right? Because we give so much of this information away anyway, right? And having a ring doorbell, it's a useful tool. It's one of the most useful things in my house because the postman comes, he's like, I have a delivery. I talk to him through the doorbell and I say, listen, I'm not in. Can you give it to whatever? And this sort of fear of like, oh my God, Amazon are going to know what's in my house. What about it? They're only advertising to you things which are probably useful. And is that not better than getting ads for things that you don't need? I would say that my biggest problem with Amazon and their invasion of the home is that because their entire model is based on making people buy things, whether they need them or not, they may be useful, but you may not need them. And over-consumerism is actually one of the biggest factors that's impacting uh, the situation we're in now in terms of industry that is completely just extractive and takes things from the world and the environment and doesn't actually try to replenish those resources. And having a company like Amazon get bigger and bigger and bigger and scale infinitely only exasperates a problem like that. It also would actually be a really bad thing to hear from for a small company. Anyone who um, works in commerce and stuff like that and it works online, if you don't work with Amazon, you might get owned up by Amazon. They, they're famous for kind of pushing small business, uh, small e-commerce businesses out of the market because they can, because they own the marketplace. And this just means that they own yet another marketplace. They have already developed their own um, mobile robot that you could have in your house. I don't think he hoovered up, but he did do other little tasks and stuff like that. It was kind of like a, ro- a robot dog, essentially. They call him <laughs> Astro and everything. Right. And um, he was meant to be like for security. So he'd identify if someone was at the door or something like that. It's a very strange concept. But really, that was so that they could try and map people's houses. But he didn't take off. So they've just bought a company to try and get that data now. And it just adds to what they own. So it's kind of like it's question So the fear of, is that like Rumba will go around and know that like, oh, when I hoover your sitting room, I have to go around two armchairs. So you probably don't have throws on those armchairs yet so I'm going to start selling you blankets so that you'll buy them and throw them over the back of your chair. It could absolutely do that and it just just means that the more data they know the more that they can try and push more commerce more buying more uh, over consumerism. But that's not been invented by Amazon like it was in the very early 1900s that marketing was developed where it was like oh we can get people to buy things they don't need. Yeah. But, and, you know, it's it's just they've yeah, capitalised they've on it. absolute geniuses at it, not just Amazon, just marketing in general. They've gotten really, really, really good at convincing us that there's things we don't know. They create entire product categories when they run out of road in one. I mean, a great example of that is kind of um, the area of uh, men's grooming. They decide 
that they've just maxed out on female grooming so they just have to make sure that men feel a bit more self-conscious about their bodies and their looks so that they start to kind of buy more products because they've they've maxed out on the amount that they can sell to, to women, women at this point it seems to be. And like I mean, that's not a new problem you're dead right. I think it's also not unique, just an Amazon problem. Like and what's unique about this. Amazon though is its scale. Amazon yeah, okay. is, is gigantic. It's they huge, kind of and they can they just subsume everything. And it, and how responsibly is that company being when it's when it's got that kind of scale? When it, how how well are workers treated in Amazon and stuff like that? Like, are you allowing a company like this to own everything um, when their pro- policies might be destructive? Yeah, but then at the end of the day, people are like, "Yeah, but it's four year cheaper, and I'll get it tomorrow." So maybe I'll just click and, and that's deliver the compromise we, we that seem is to be willing to make over and over again, over and over again until the world burns. Um, yeah. Driverless taxis get the green light in China. Terrified of this. I mean, it's probably fine in China because I feel like their roads are all like motorway and very well laid out. But can you imagine being in a driverless taxi from Mitchellstown to Mallow? Like, I actually, I have been in a city in China that when I visited um, wasn't actually um, very, very well habited, but uh, was being built okay. for a future that might involve like driverless taxis and driverless cars and things like that. So it was kind of like being built as a city of the future, but it was eerie being there when it was quite empty. Um, so yeah, they are kind of trying to build cities for this kind of futuristic version of traffic where you might have driverless cars, lots of autonomous vehicles on the road. And now they're kind of taking a step forward into that. Already in Beijing, they do have these cars on the road that, that are technically driverless, but they have to have a human operator in them while mm-hmm. they're operating in Beijing at the moment. Um, but now two cities in China are going to have them on the road completely driverless and that's a huge step and they're going to be providing taxi services I think during peak hours it looks like they're doing the, kind of the work day hours between 9 and 5 5 o'clock Would you get um, into one? I would not no. I would not either I'd be so disconcerted Because <laughs> um, already um, there's a city in, uh, there, there's a part of San Francisco where you can get a driverless taxi now it's not all of San Francisco it's in a limited area that doesn't really um, touch too closely on the downtown busy area yes, of San Francisco because okay. they're trying to see how safe this technology is and it's from the company General Motors it's their uh, autonomous vehicle arm called Cruise got the permit to do it and then within a couple of weeks there was this very strange moment where about 20 cars just blocked an intersection. These driverless cars just all formed a cluster together and people were on the streets just looking around like what's going on? And just imagine how terrifying Some sort of technical glitch like... it's always when you talk about autonomous things, people get into, you know, you know, robots Robots will take over and stuff like that. But I'd say there was a moment there where people thought, are the cars trying to stage a coup and take over <laughs> San Francisco here? Like, what's happening? Um, and, and that did happen. They all just clustered together, blocked traffic. And then you also have to wonder as well, like a human driver might have lots and lots of flaws. I'm not discounting that. But they also are able to respond to the unusual and yes. to like a, a situation that's not like maybe programmable. Um, and that's where you get problems with autonomous vehicles. And again, an example with these cruise vehicles in San Francisco, one of them ended up blocking a fire tender getting to a fire because that's where it was told to to be parked and it didn't know what to do when a fire tender turned up. But if a human being was there, it would know to just hoof out of the way as quickly as possible. Someone has just texted in to say, I have seen a driverless car in Limerick. It was the weirdest thing to not see a person in the front seat. I don't get the technology, but it is freaky. Sorry, was that that a driverless car or was that just a rogue car with a handbrake down? Because they're saying Limerick, it is possible that that could have been a test because there are um, companies and uh, there's a, now in Shannon, there's a future mobility research centre being based down there. So there is a lot of research going down specifically around Limerick into autonomous driving technology. When you look at things like, now this is my mind going full conspiracy, but when you look at like, you know, the HSE getting hacked, like things getting hacked on a really big scale, it's not 
unheard of or like unthinkable that you could get into a driverless car and someone could hack the car and take you somewhere that you don't want to go. No, I, I feel like a really old person who's now like, it <laughs> no, was fine in my like, day, don't change it. It doesn't have to be as, as complicated or nefarious as that. It could just be that technology failed all of the time. We've it's all also seen hackable, it. You know? but, but also like, how many times have you tried to do something that's seemingly simple on your phone and it just doesn't work and there's no real explanation that just you can gather. Turn it off, turn it on again. Yeah, like are we going to have to just keep turning cars off and on again when they start acting <laughs> Like mad? the car that isn't even yours yeah. so you're like, okay, like, I don't know what Any to do. kind of autonomous vehicle does need to, we do need to be starting to think about how to regulate this stuff before it gets um, a bit too out of hand in terms of like, let's just throw these things on the road and see what happens. Like we didn't get ahead of things with e-scooter regulation. We were so behind on that and then people start complaining that these things aren't regulated and people are using them willy-nilly. Um, so we, I think uh, legislators really have to start thinking about autonomous vehicles everywhere. We've already got MANA drones are delivering coffees and lunches and stuff like that in North Dublin and one of them fell out of the sky. <laughs> you know, like that can happen. That could yeah. have injured someone. <laughs> I mean, it probably did injure someone. I, I just think sometimes it's like, oh, look at this thing we can do. And it's like, OK, we can do loads of things, but should we do them? I don't know. Before mm-hmm. I let you go, uh, this was really funny. The Did you see the pepperoni on Twitter? Tell us about this. So uh, this is a little lesson that Twitter users know not a sausage about space pics. So um, a scientist called Etienne Klein, who happens to have nearly 100,000 Twitter followers, so he's not in an insignificant Twitter account, uh, tweeted a picture and said, isn't this a fabulous image of Proxima Centauri, which is one of the closest stars to us uh, compared to our sun. And uh, what it actually was, was a picture of a slice of chorizo. Um, And lots of people, because this was purported to be an image from the James Webb Space Telescope, which some of your listeners might have. And it does look like if you see the picture, I like trying to describe it. It's a piece of chorizo, so it's it looks like a red planet with lots of sort of like random white dots on it. It is convincing. It like, was I, convincing. I was, but like. But it's it was just of- such a funny little prank, but he's he's gotten into a lot of trouble over it because people are, are mad that they've been had, I think, because some people retweeted it as another James Webb image that's so, showing these beautiful visions of these deep parts of the universe when actually it's just a bit of treat. So, and he he was funny himself. He said something about like, um, I can confirm that no Spanish charcuterie exists anywhere outside of this planet. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I suppose it, it was a lesson for him in terms of his own influence. Yes. Um, and also he probably a lesson- just thought this would be a funny joke among friends and some nerds but it actually just took off. But also like something that's I think just so common where people don't have any discernment on Twitter. Like you see someone who has a blue tick or it says doctor something you think okay they're an expert I'm just going to retweet this I'm not even going to read the link I'm not going to do anything. Um, So a cautionary tale um, about charcuterie. Um, (laughs) Elaine thank you so very much for all of that uh, that is Elaine Fr- do you want to tell people if they want to get more information where they can find yeah, you all of these stories are covered on SiliconRepublic.com and we'll have more information on the challenge funding as that comes out and, and anything around science and technology you'll find there thank you so much SiliconRepublic.com that was Elaine Burke thank you very much so let's give away some money Moncrief brought to you by Avant Money think you're getting the best value from your bank think again weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.